When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Wednesday Wonders on the Mutual Audio Network. Be amazed. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Welcome back to the Carlson Chronicles, a Privy Project production. Last time, Ian and company left Freehold to survey the land. Lars went fishing for the first time, and Carrie helped Lars to learn about cleaning fish. Then, they began to return to the Freehold while in a major snowstorm. Did Ian and company make it back? Listen to this episode to find out all the progress. It had been a long, cold, and wet walk from the Robson Hut. All 11 members of Ian's party retired. Jack Bilson sat at a newly installed guard's desk. He stood when he first felt, then saw the locked main doors begin to move. Only one person had the key. He knew Ian was back. As the group traipsed through the door, they saw Jack. Jack, are you the reception committee? I am. Shake off the snow. I'll call ahead to your mom's place. They wanted to know when you got home. There'll be warm refreshments. I can't come tonight. It's a 20-minute walk to the Robson-scribed quarters under the Sold Hill, but you know that better than I. I'm the elected defense coordinator now. That's why I'm here. Leo Leary stepped down so we can go to the Jed Johnson colony. All dried and ready to go. Man, it had to be cold out there. Ian and company left Jack to watch the main doors. The company was silent while they made their way to Ian's mom's place. Kita and Roy were not so much at all as they were apprehensive. It was the first time any of the foresters had been inside the freehold. Ian reached up to knock, but the door flew open, almost knocking him down. Mom, he's home, and he's three days early. Hey, Mr. Johnson, come out of the kitchen and see him. He's almost brown from the sun. Cassie, just let everyone in the door. Cassie, Mom, Mr. Johnson, this is Kita, Rory, Kanana, Krania, Carrie, Connie and Callie. They're Forester guards and trekkers that have some experience. They're part of my team now. It's very nice to meet you all. Ian, you'll have to tell us all about your journey. I'm dying to hear how you got that tan. Tad, can you find quarters close to us? They'll need their privacy, just like everybody else. If they were in the guest quarters, there might be gawkers. We don't want them to be disturbed. Of course. Let me out and I will call back with the access codes. Those new combination locks will come in handy. Cassie, will you guide them to their rooms? We'll see you later, Tad. Thank you. Hey guys, take those smelly packs off and sit. It's almost time to make supper. Then we'll take you to your quarters. Hopefully, Tad will have that done shortly. There are six more suites like ours on this level. There was a time when we weren't the only family of scribes. Cassie, would you please order Chinese for all? Use the hard line and have it delivered if you wouldn't mind. Tad left his cash code so we can order. 
Quinn Gleason should still have his restaurant open. If you've never had Chinese, you're in for a real treat. It's nice to be home. I'm not sure about anyone else, but I'm ready to go again. Do you think we can get Don Wilson up here tomorrow? He'll drop everything he's doing and run when you call, Ian. That O'Brien kid that runs the plumbing will probably come too. Who's O'Brien? He wasn't part of the original crew. He's a specialist in plumbing. I'm thirsty. Do you all drink liquor? Whenever I can get whiskey, I'm ready. <laughs> Cassie, get on the line again and get Don Wilson's boys to bring up some hooch. <laughs> it's actually homemade moonshine. Will that do? As long as we have a wheelbarrow to get Rory to his bed. Don's bringing the booze himself. He's chomping at the bits to obtain the mineral assays from the soil samples. But he also said tomorrow would be fine to collect those. Thus began the welcome party. It's May 2nd, 4062, at 2,000 hours. May 4th, 4062, 0955 hours. Ian, Lars, Don, and Keita stood at the doors into the Elder Council conference room. It had taken a day for Ian, with the help of Lars and Don Wilson, to create a presentation which would get the ball rolling, even if it was winter above. Ian felt that by May 6th, they should have people at Jed Johnson Lake and the work beginning. Lars and Don were impatient. They wanted to go now. In the end, the decision when to go was the council's to make. The doors silently opened at 1,000 hours. The three entered to find only four of the six elders. Elder Johnson stood and motioned for them to take their seats. Thank you all for coming. Ian, Lars, Keita, please bring in your briefing. Thank you for seeing us so soon. Given the state of affairs here in the Freehold, it's a vital that we begin our exodus. The political situation being the hardest to gauge, my advisors and I reviewed the red box data. Recorded by my mother and sister, our population is split with 47% of adults wanting to maintain residence in the freehold. Such a sizable population's desire must be addressed. Demographics collected by Cassie and a group of volunteers, drawn from the secondary and advanced schools, identify the group wanting to remain in the freehold as those predominantly above age 60 and students wanting to complete their education. This is what we came up with. The solar panels have a little time left in them to allow for this group to remain here. Transmission lines can be buried from a power plant at Jed Johnson Lake to the freehold for long-term habitation to continue. Professor Wilson assures me that this is well within reason, given the time frames, along with the fact that he's certain the geothermal electrical generators are in no danger of failure. Those remaining here would have the responsibility with the help of those at the proposed Jed Johnson Flat settlement for maintaining the freehold for historical, educational purposes, and also as a shelter in time of need or crisis. The foresters would like to align closely with our personnel here and also at Jed Johnson Flats. Apache Nation also having existing facilities, but some of their educators would ask to study here as well as the foresters. It would become a combined university of liberal arts, engineering, and science pursuits. The communication, biocentric computers, labs, hydroponics facilities, and current manufacturing base should remain in place and not be moved. Professor Wilson would ask to be posted to Jed Johnson Flats as a construction superintendent and energy plant manager. We estimate that it would take two years to bring the plant online. 
Then it can begin supplying electricity to the Jed Johnson settlement and the freehold. Rory Forrester has asked to be consultant engineer as he has credentials from the Apache Academy at the Council Center in Anadarko. Professor Wilson agrees. Contact has been made with the Phoenix Freehold. They will supply the silicates necessary for a standalone manufacturing plant at Judd Johnson Lake. The first shipment should arrive in 14 months, bearing any complication. Stable and suitable hillsides have been identified for multifamily dugout habitation. They're in easy reach of proposed power plant. Central Mountain has been designated as the site of a dugout for the city hall and administration facility. It is an easy walking distance from both lakes at the settlement site. The resources needed from the freehold are primarily manpower. There are sufficient craft professionals and engineers wishing to relocate with their families to build and populate the site. Others can come settle as accommodations are constructed. The site is plainly visible on the maps provided for this briefing and will handle up to 20,000 people easily. Adjacent sites will have to be investigated as needed. We've had ground vehicles held in a hermetically sealed stasis containers for over 2,000 years. I request that five of those be commissioned from those containers, then made ready and put to use for this project. With your help, the Jed Johnson facility should be operating as a colony site within two years and self-sufficient in three years. I thank you for your time. We have considered some of what you had asked previously. We will weigh the possibilities for the rest of your request in a closed session this afternoon. You have our permission to commission the vehicles now. If you wouldn't mind, post a list of equipment you'd require this afternoon. 42% of our population is ready to move when you have housing built for them. There will always be manpower concern. Kita, what help from the foresters can we expect? We will provide security and expertise from all able to shift to Jed Johnson's flats. I have anticipated this request and have sent word to the Forester Apache settlements via radio. The answer should return shortly. Okay, everybody, that should do it for this session. Scoot, kiddos. We've got a lot to digest and set in motion. Surely an agreement will be reached. The other two elders are having the vehicles you requested pulled from deep storage. Thank you for your input. We appreciate all you are doing. That concludes this session. Good day. With that, Ian's group left the chamber. They headed to the conference room across from the scribe's quarters. Once there, the discussion resumed. Why the hold on a decision when it was what we were asked to do? Well, the council has to feel it is important and in control. It's basic psychology. We all know they're going to approve the request. Resources allocated without the pre-planned actions are not pre-approved. Where is Kaylee? Both Kaylee and Rory are with O'Brien. They're working on a way to passively drain sewage from a dugout without pumps. I am pretty sure that Ian's idea of making sure the drains at lower levels are dug in above ground level will give them easy answers. Documenting and drawings of the builders will be absolutely critical. Rory's got a handle on it. Keeping any necessary pumps under the 750 watts of power usage shouldn't be an issue. Pressurized water systems are gravity matter. The water purification facility should be adjacent to the freshwater holding tank. Tower tanks should be the efficient way to go. I created plans for both facilities on the west side of Center Mountain. That should be the only place we need water pumps to fill the tanks. 
as they would be above the habitation level. Could we use one of those reactors that eat fusion waste to power the pumps? The Fort Seal waste bunker isn't far by half-tracks. Now the lot and species of the once humans are in the way. Besides, clean and renewable energy production are in our grasp. The geothermal test holes will tell us where the hot spots are. Remember, these are old mountains. Our staff geologists estimate that these mountains were islands at one point when shallow seas stretched to the state of South and North Dakota. The Rocky Mountains were not fully raised up when that was true. To reach the magma pockets and tap their heat without inviting eruption is something our ancestors just couldn't figure out. I think those spun iridium sockets and ball valves would hold back cooling magma. We'll test it before we try it. I hope so. The uranium in Arizona is too far away for safe transportation. I wonder if the old Kerr-McGee waste site in Crescent has enough ore stored in those old bunkers for our use. Different compound. We'd need a collider to use and make antimatter. I'd rather not blast us to dust anytime soon. <sighs> Let's avoid that, if you please. It's almost 1500 hours. What is taking them so long? We'll know soon enough, just be patient. At 1517 hours on May 4th, 4062, approval arrived at the conference room. The official electronic message held one line of two words. Do it. Ian and Elder Johnson standing in the hallway outside the conference room were talking quietly. Ian, your new quarters are ready. Are you ready for them? I am. I need the quiet. It can't be chaos at mom's. I really wasn't sure you knew where this old conference room was. Thank goodness I have a map. It's on my table and even tells me when I take a wrong tunnel. It's handy, but a little annoying. I will meet you there at 7 p.m. if that's okay with you. Yes! That will give me time to gather and pack what I need. Most of the essentials are in place. After all, the renovation of your grandparents' apartments have always been planned for your use. Rachel had their personal elements removed decades ago, and now even the new plasma-powered computers, radios, and lighting are in place for your use. All you really need is your personal stuff. I know, boys. There's always lots of stuff. I remember those old apartments. There should be sufficient room to house the foresters there as well. Thank you for all your effort. I'm sure they'll be exactly what we need. The foresters will be moving their things into the guest rooms with your quarters at 5 p.m. I'll be there because your mother and I are the only ones with access at this point. Lars and Two Feathers have suites of their own. They are all in the protected levels and require a palm print and a retina scan for entry. That can be turned off if you prefer the cipher lock system. It's there but I think the thumbprint entry scanner will be more your style. I agree with you. My grandfather always said the more complex the mechanism, the easier it breaks. I think locks and access fall into this situation. I'll see you there. Elder Johnson nods and walks down the tunnel towards the central elevators. Ian went and rejoined those in the conference room. 30 minutes later, the meeting broke so the foresters could get moved in. We're going to take a short sponsor break. We'll be right back. Imagine the world around you is nothing but an illusion. 
creatures of legend wage endless wars between shadow and light, but you never see it. Even now, dark forces threaten reality as we know it, but most people never know they exist. This is the world I walk in. I am called Byron, and these are my chronicles. The Byron Chronicles, available at ericbosbypresents.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else podcasts are available. And now back to our story. Ian arrives back at his mom's apartments. As he enters the door, he could hear a packet-switching radio-patched video conference, voice over IP in progress in Rachel's home office, so he turned and headed for his room to pack. Coordinator April, I realize that the autonomy of the Phoenix Freehold is not in question. Scribe Assistant Stanford in Cornwall didn't mean that the English king would rule in America, too. Indeed, we did not. King Arthur Windsor is 102 years old. You're a constitutional monarchy. The descendants of Harry Mountbatten Windsor are nosy from that Scottish undersea facility they escaped to in 2032. It seems that we have issues of our own to deal with before we step back into the world stage. I see. Sorry for the misunderstanding. Phoenix Freehold will support and supply all we can. Transportation costs are on you. What is your situation in the Black Sea Freehold? We are fine for 15 years, no? After that, solar panel fail. Then Phoenix Freehold supply more panels? If yes, how to get them across the Atlantic Sea? We built settlements around north shore of Black Sea. We can make as many as you want, but you gotta come and get them. All of our people are tied up in the manufacturing of products as required for emergencies from the Freehold. There is no Black Sea fleet. You rusted the dust while we stayed in Freehold. My government tells me we will never again have seaworthy vessels in a year. The Chinese have them now and offer to transport for much coin. You two can follow up on the details offline. Melbourne Freehold, are you still there? Yes, we're it, Rachel. You blokes could talk a lot and solve little sometimes. We need copper ore. We can trade opal and fuller's earth for them. I'll call about that in the next week. Rachel, could you mediate? Let me know when the call is to be made, and I will be available if at all possible. Thank you. Mr. Tilly, we have tin and iron ore available when the need arises. Our smaller ships have been kept in stasis. As soon as we have trained personnel to operate them, we too can do business. We are landlocked. It will be a while, but the Creek and Cherokee are building 220-footer ships for trade. The budding Forster Confederacy will hold elections next week. The Creek, Cherokee, Caddo, Apache, and Forsters have all come together in an associative governmental structure. Our allies will have the capability of transport soon. You're not alone anymore in Melbourne, Australia. The next meeting is in seven days, same time. Consult with your communications people, as we are all on rotating frequencies. Goodbye until then. Ian was leaning against the door jam by then. Looking at his mother with a little awe, he shook his head and sighed. <sighs> Mom, you're amazing. What was all that about? 
That was my weekly conference with the five freeholds. They are a painful reminder of what has passed and what is yet to come. People are already arguing over resources. I'm so glad we have smart people here. Not entirely, of course, but the combination of geothermal wind and solar eliminate the need for oil and biofuels. The Cherokee are soon to be rich as they salvage the surface pools of black oil where the old Cushing storage facility existed. Kessa doesn't know it yet, but she's going to be elected the first leader of the Forrester Confederation. With all the tribes counted, it is estimated there will be over two million people in her care. She didn't even have to campaign for the job. The tribes nominated and chose her. They are sending a delegation to her home in the next few weeks. It was all done over radio. You mean I met with the Forrester government leader and I didn't even know it? You're the diplomat, not me. <laughs> oh, let's go find some food. You've got to eat and then move today. Sure thing, your ladyship. This lowly one would be grateful for a crust of bread. <laughs> Sandwiches were made and consumed in near silence. Cassie was nowhere to be seen. Rachel talked while Ian then packed. 7 p.m. was rapidly approaching. Everyone was waiting for Ian and Rachel as they arrived at Ian's new quarters. Elder Johnson looked as proud as any man could. Cassie arrived moments later. The freshly painted door was steel gray and nondescript. Tiles that had been covered with blown dirt were clean and shone with the wax that had been applied. These quarters had been Rachel's parents when they were active scribes more than 40 years ago. As she wiped a tear from her eye, she remembered they died on a survey when she was two. Here you all are, right on time, too. Tad Johnson pushed the door open. The palm reader recognized him and unlatched the door. They all trooped in and the hydraulic door closed behind them. Is all this security necessary? It was in the past. Today is not much different. There are still freeholds factions to watch. Not everyone is sold on the exodus. Was it wise to open up another of the old scribe quarters? Won't there be those jealous of all the other amenities? No, who cares? This is wonderful! I assume all the data and comm requirements are in place. I'll need them, and Ian does too. Well, I care. Security is serious business. Lars, you gloss over too much of the nastiness that people do to each other. I am not going to be caught unawares. I don't want to live behind locked steel doors. Locked doors push people's fear and paranoia to such extremes. I'm the scribe. I should be accessible. No person should fear to come to me. Life is for the living. I serve the people, not the other way around. Information should be free to any who ask it. I'm not gonna hide. I feel like a rat in a trap. Security can't be so rigid that the business of living is limited to those with a passcode or a key. I know I have to have a house here, but my home is that cabin at Jed Johnson Lake. Ian, this is beautiful. These furnishings have been cleaned and repaired. They belong to my parents and my grandparents. The kitchen is state of the art, as is the communications office. My parents' recorded surveys are now added to your father's. The council has outdone itself in the beauty and history in these walls. I see it all, Mom. It's overwhelming. I will use my home and the facilities in comfort. Thank you all. I appreciate your efforts so much. 
The Arbiters had a direct link installed in your library to their archives on the secure terminal. It's a little different than the secure terminals we're used to using. He looks tired. Everything is on track. He should be excited. He got plans made and approved for the creation of the colony. He did that at 13 years old. Could I have done all of that? Hmm. There's so much more to being a scribe than just writing down all that happens. I've got to be both the scribe and arbiter for the Jed Johnson Flat Colony. Mom has to take over fully here. Then there are the sightings of the Pelmen that Dad wrote about. I've got so much to learn, but no time left to learn it all. Why couldn't I have started learning earlier? Oh well. I saw that when I peeked into the library. I also saw the volumes of Dad's journals, Grandpa Rob's journals, and all our grandparents' journals. Right now, I'm for supper. I'm starved. I saw the main cafeteria staff loading tons of food into the kitchen. Is that all you can think about? Food? Look at this wonderful place! Why, you could sleep an army in here! I'm going to give up my suite. Jack needs it now that he's to take my place in the anthropology wing. That third bedroom on the right looks like a good spot for me. Everything we need is here. Uh, Ian, do you mind? <laughs> Lars, the bedroom's yours. Two Feathers has already claimed the one next to mine. I've not even slept in here yet. What I'd miss? I just got here. Is there food? Hey, where's O'Brien? He should be here too. Okay, okay. Food now before it gets cold. I've called Steve, Kelly, O'Brien, and Rory up from the bowels of this mountain to help us eat the feast that's been provided. The doorbell sounded. Yes, don't faint. Ian got the doorbell. Steve, Kelly, O'Brien, and James Anthony joined the crowd. <clears throat> Rachel, is everybody here? All but Don. And you couldn't get him away from those vehicles with a crowbar. Well, it's time to start digging in if we want to eat before midnight. Jack, can you bellow and get everybody to quiet down? Attention. Attention! Quiet! Thank you. Now it's time to eat. Afterwards, we'll let our scribe settle into his new home. This renovation was the first step in reclaiming the old scribe and arbiter apartments. The rest will be used to house visiting dignitaries and heads of state from the other freeholds and governments that are now forming as we leave the freehold. Thanks to Ian and Don's collaboration, we have a plan for the freehold to become much more than a hole to weather the storms of our past. Our new and old friends are becoming partners in our future. Let's eat. The crowd stood still nervously and looked at Ian. Ian felt their attention in the very air. That's when he realized they were waiting for him to start the line at the kitchen door. So Ian picked up a plate to announce silently that supper had finally begun. Later that evening, Cassie, Ian, Rachel, Lars, and Two Feathers were sitting in Ian's new study. It was time for serious talk to commence. Cassie, you're leaving tomorrow. Jed Johnson Lake is a beautiful place to be. You can set up shop in the cabin while the crews get your house built. 
I understand that the house you planned will be in the Central Mountain. Mom, your notes tell me Elder Johnson wants to retire. I've got an idea that we'll need an ambassador to the newly created Forrester Confederacy. He is too good a diplomat to waste on retirement. Do you think we could talk him into a Forrester ambassadorship role? Hmm. Cassie, the dugouts will be nice with all that obsidian and granite for floors and deep-set windows. Tell me, are you planning a round door as well? Hobbit style? Yes, I am. If I'm going to be a hobbit, I might as well go all the way. Seriously, Ian, what about the Pale Man sightings? What about the new faction setting up shop just north of Old Dallas? I'm going to go snooping. It's what your dad would do. I'll go alone. It will be my first solo outing into the wilds. I've read all that stuff your dad wrote about watching without interfering. It doesn't sound that hard to do. Does it? Ian's such an old warrior, but I'll be fine. Really, I know what to do. You be careful, you old goat. You know you're 30 going on 90. Don't get caught. It could be very dangerous. You need to be careful in this kind of investigation. You have my blessing, but be careful, would you? Well, yes. The history is always wrote to give name, rank, and serial number only if you're caught. But I'm not going to get caught. Don't be such a worrywart. I'll use that door called the Scribe's Passage down on the 32nd level of the library annex. There and back in the blink of an eye. Mom, what's the story of the scuttlebutt around another freehold? Under Jerusalem? It isn't authorized, is it? The Black Sea Freehold reports activity including ground vehicles that have been reported by their scouts. It seems Israel wasn't unprepared 2,000 years ago. The contact they have finds that the people emerging speak Hebrew, Arabic, and Russian. They have radios, but not on our frequencies. Quite territorial, according to the Russians at Black Sea. They claim the territory that was Israel, Jordan, Lebanon, and Syria. That is their history from way, way back. Keep me posted. I don't want anyone caught off guard. The Chinese we knew about inscribed Karn's records, but the rest are new. Sydney Freehold is unfortunately gone, but the Melbourne Freehold is still alive, thankfully. Well, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm flat tired. I say we close this down for the night. The meeting ended and they all headed off to their beds. Some issues may arise from unforeseen events. We'll just have to wait and see. Lars had left before breakfast. They packed light for just a few days. Ian, Rachel, and Cassie all knew what the Scribe's Passage was. They had all read the histories at this point and knew how dangerous and confusing its use could be. Ian, I know it's just now breakfast, but could one of you explain what the Scribe's Passage is? Well, from what I understand, it is a veil or gate. There were many in the Old World. Part of the choice of site for Freehold 3 was the access to parallel or extra-dimensional times and places. I'm not going to use the entire math lecture we had to learn. It explained how string theory and relativity predicted the existence of mirror universes. It boils down to the scribe's passage being a portal between the different universes. 
Yes, a shimmering event horizon is visible where the universes touch. If one is strong of mind and focused, it is directional. Folded space and or time puts you where you want to go. Otherwise, you're lost in space and time or land where you never intend to go. You let Lars go through that thing? They'll get there, but I fear they won't return. I take it there's another anomaly on the other side? Dad's notes say yes. Portland, Oregon is where the wormhole takes the unweary traveler. When in time is the question. He wrote to find someone you must focus on their chi. I'm not even sure what that is. It is their essence. I could find Lars easily. I will find Lars because they are part of my mission to protect. They are reason where I am action in our advice to you. Together we make a good guide for you all. Split. We can't evaluate all sides as effectively. Mm, I could do breakfast over here more often. What interesting discretion y'all have. Mom, you have your own quarters. Mine will be built soon. Ian's gotta go walk about. Remember, as your namesake wrote after the founding, our lives are full of duty and responsibility. I'll go. How do I get one of those big guns from the armory? I write the request, and then you pick it up on your way to level 32. Right then. <laughs> After breakfast, though. Two Feathers left the table to get his backpack he'd assembled earlier that morning. Ian, Cassie, and Rachel finished their meal and left to go their assigned jobs. Ian escorted Two Feathers to the armory. Then they went to the door marked The Scribe's Passage. It was a beautiful, shimmering mass of power without explanation. Two feathers, machete strapped to his leg, M60 machine gun over his shoulder, and three weeks ration in his pack, stepped through the door. Ian closed the door and said a silent prayer, and left to go to the garage level so he could check on Kita and Carrie. Thank you for listening to The Carlson Chronicles, written by J.A. Babian. The cast in this episode are Charlie Wyrak III as the narrator, Tom Cat as Lars Olofsson, Rachel Pulliam as Keita Forrester, Ellie Hirschman as Don Wilson, Micah Henderson as Ian Kyleson, Echo Unclesbay as Cassie Robeson, Bruce Jaworski as Elder Johnson and Jack Bilson, Tracy Babian as Kelly Kirkson and the announcer, Lisa Sedeby as Rachel Robeson, Ryan Birch as Rory Forrester and Reed Stanford. James Sedeby as Two Feathers, and a special appearance by J.A. Babian as Bobby April and Seth Tilly. Music's played by Sven Neukrantz, Tracy Babian, David Feslian, and Danagel Zambo. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment on whatever platform you're listening on. This is Tracy Babian, your announcer, signing off. Hi, my name is Tracy Babian, co-author of the Carlson Chronicles podcast. My husband, J.A. Babian, the main author, had a triple stroke in the latter part of August of this year. Jerry was lifelighted to Tulsa, Oklahoma, with a brain bleed that the doctors thought they were going to have to do surgery on him, which surely would have killed him. Thank the Lord they didn't. He survived that brain bleed and swelling, but he is in need of so much for his recovery I have started a GoFundMe to help 
with all the costs that I just don't have. I retired back in April of this year so that I could take care of Jerry, as he was starting to show signs then that I just didn't catch. Little did I know this would be a blessing in disguise. He is fighting this setback of memory loss and 75% use of his right leg, arm, along with his cognitive speech. Considering the doctor said he would not make it, I consider him to be a miracle. Medicare has only granted 12 visits of physical and speech therapy twice a week. He needs at least six months worth of speech therapy alone. That is a total of $4,000 we need to pay up front that I just don't have. So far, we have had $775 in donations of the 10000 we need come in. Please donate today so that he can get his needed medication, therapy, and also help pay bills that Medicare just will not cover, even if it's only $5. I update this account so folks can see his progress. You can go to my Facebook account, Tracy Babian VO, to find the pinned link with the title Jerry Babian Stroke Victim Needs. Jerry says, thank you. I still have a lot to write on my stories that I want to get done. Please help me to achieve that goal. Thank you in advance for your donation. Tracy Babian